0: You are back with the conversation on HPR One. This is Katherine Cruz. Today, we open our phone lines as we invited the powerful money chairs to talk about the state budget priorities. Joining us today for our roundtable talk are two veteran lawmakers. House Finance Chair Sylvia Luke is a lawyer. She's been described as a budget hawk with laser focus on what the administration's departments are spending taxpayers' money on. In particular, she's honed in on those special funds and vacant positions. She hails from the Nu'uanu Makiki District. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. So glad you could join us. Uh, also joining us by phone is Senator Donovan Dela Cruz, chair of the Ways and Means Committee. He hails from Wahiawa and has the added experience with city government. He served as Honolulu City Council chair in 2003, said to be the youngest member elected to that pivotal spot. Good morning, Chair Delacruz. Cruz. Good morning. I, I'm so glad that you were able to carve out time because I know even though you folks are n- are in recess, you are still working very hard uh, to figure out, you know, what's coming down the pike. You know, Chair Luke, uh, give us your assessment of the spending plan that you voted on last week.
1: Um, so, you know, uh, first and foremost, um, Catherine, I just wanted to thank um, the residents of Hawaii, um Uh, You know, um, we do uh, assessment of what's going on um, nationally and Hawaii is in a situation that it is in um, with um, very little COVID cases and um, uh, our hospitals and clinics not being overrun with a lot of the patients because of the people. Nationally, what we have seen is a lot of um, you know their citizens and residents are not listening to um, state and county governments when we're when they're recommending social distancing and wearing masks and you know there's a lot of um, protests and um, you know a lot of the depart the uh, governments are having very difficult time in managing and you know I just spoke to somebody in Seattle this morning and they continue to have um, cases. um, And uh, as you know, you know, Seattle is Seattle and the Bay Area was uh, where everything started for the United States. So you would think they would be the ones um, um, curtailed at this point, but they're still seeing spikes and, you know, we feel really badly for them. So, you know, just as a way of reflection, I just wanted to thank all the residents and the listeners because it's because of, you know, small gestures like, uh, such as um, social distancing and wearing a mask. It's not for your protection, but it's for the protection of others. And it's it's our way of showing uh, consideration and uh, compassion for others. So you just we're just so thankful uh, for everybody's cooperation.
0: Right, and, and that is a good point to make because we things could have been worse, and we have a budget that you folks are trying to, uh, you know, hone down and hold to but we, there's still a lot unknown out there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so just to kind of um, just briefly touch upon the budget, um, you know, I just wanted to thank the governor and um, Senator Dela Cruz and the members of the legislature and the departments. I know it's a really difficult time, and, you know, this is not something that anyone could have foreseen. And the budget that we passed um, last week, uh, we wish it was a different circumstances, um, but you know, we had to make a tremendous amount of vacancy cuts. So one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that, um, you know, the vacancies and programs, um, such as, you know, um, things for uh, Kupuna, children, um, um, much needed services are not cut as initially thought we needed to do. So we, um, you know, we looked at a lot of vacancy positions uh, to make sure that uh, critical services are not cut.
0: We should point out that uh, just about a month or so ago, you know, the governor expressed some concern that he might have to furlough workers or, or cut pay, and we know that uh, you folks were able to avert that. Um, uh, Chair De La Cruz, you want to weigh in on this?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I just want to echo some of the comments made by Chair Luke that, you know, because people are, are adhering to, to the governor's recommendations, we, we are in a better situation because we're not spending um, some monies having to deal with these the, the either enforcement or having to deal with a, a health crisis so that has actually helped us um, save money and refocus money to to critical needs and safety net services that that uh, people really need right now um, because of tourism being so Basic at, at zero. Uh, we, we've lost a lot of TAT and a lot of GET spending. And so we're going to have to look at uh, new ways of creating revenue. Uh, we, need, we need new jobs, new types of jobs that are outside of the tourism sector. And we're also going to have to look at a new way of how we're going to keep going with tourism. You know, there's some talk about travel bubbles and if we can start to communicate with uh, places like Korea and Japan and limit travel to those areas where testing is going to be something that is part of the process, that that's one way we could probably start to at least open up parts of the economy.
0: Now you folks are waiting to see what the council of revenues is going to forecast. Cause we just, you know, we don't know what it's going to be like for the next couple of months here.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we, we, one of the numbers that the governor had, had presented to the, to the legislature was a negative uh, 16% for fiscal year 21. And that actually right now may seem quite optimistic In talking to some economists, uh, both within and outside of government, that, that number will probably even go lower, which means there's going to be less revenue for us uh, at, at our last hearing. Um, the DoTax director projected maybe $300 million coming in uh, to, for the May report. So that's all collections of April. It costs about $677 million to operate our state government monthly. So that's a big loss. We're talking about over half of the revenues we need are not coming in to operate government. So that's where we're gonna to have to be a lot smarter on how we're gonna move forward. And Catherine, if I
1: could add, um, the the, the recess period that we're in right now is really for um, the legislature and the governor to um, have a a plan uh, for the next step forward so um, as you know um, Department of Transportation is looking at thermal scanning Department of Health is now at a point in working with the, um, the University of Hawaii to get about 300 contact tracers out so we are at that Stage where um, you know it couples really well with reopening of um, our economy, um, not necessarily the air travel economy, but internally within the state, our economy. We're getting ready for um, increase in spike. We have to flatten the curve before we plan for okay. What are the steps? Right. So this is this is a crucial period where those steps need to be. Um, vetted and uh, we need to figure out okay what what happens at this stage and then how do we make sure that uh, contact tracers and testing gets ramped up at different level to make sure that we are not in a situation we have to close close the economy down completely um, so the the compound revenues um, coming up uh, on May 28th, is not going to tell us anything different than what we already know. The economy is in bad shape, and we're going to be in a bad shape for probably two years. And so, this this time period is really for us to um, the, to hone down some of the necessary things that we need to do.
0: And I know the governor had said uh, that you know the idea of furloughing workers or cutting pay was something you know that he was faced with and I think wanted to prepare people in the event that you know it's really bad because you know we have no way of predicting uh, the situation with this health uh, crisis Uh, it's something to consider Uh, you know I know you folks have set aside the money that we got from the federal government uh, into the rainy rainy day fund uh, we we already got a question on our, our email. Uh, Kay from Kailua says she's worried about the needs of working families like mine. Uh, you know how you know whether they're going to be overlooked. You know how can the public be a part of the decision making process for the CARES federal money?
2: So, uh, Catherine, I just wanted to clarify something. So the state actually got about 1.2 billion of federal funds. Six um, hundred. 600- almost 600 million of that has been either is, is budgeted and is being uh, where departments and the counties can now spend that for for basic needs economic development um, help any kind of financial assistance that that's been out so a little more than half is what's now in the rainy day fund so as chair Luke had suggested we can It gives us time to be a lot more strategic work with the administration, have conversations in within the legislature and the community when we come back on June 15th you know we're going we're to still have our, our public hearing process so that we can have input from from communities but these three weeks are critical because legislator, legislators legislators um, can go back to their communities and get more input so that they can have they can offer that to to the money committee so that we can make the best decisions possible.
1: All right. So, Catherine, so um, one of the requirements that the federal government set was that the money that went to the state treasury, um, as um, Chair De La Cruz stated, the $1.25 billion had to be divided between what goes to state-specific, which is 55%, so that's about $680 million just to round up, and the 45% had to go to counties. And we had discussion, extensive discussion with all the counties. And one of the uh, consistent message was the state needs to take care of unemployment benefits, SNAP benefits, um, um, things that are on statewide level. And the counties felt that they're in a better position to take care of uh, specific um, um, uh, you know, food, um, food, rent, subsidy needs, um, you know, nonprofit needs of their own individual islands. So, for instance, you know, the, the uh, so what we have received is out of the forty five percent, which is about five hundred sixty million dollars that went directly to the counties already, or will be going to the counties. About two hundred million out of the five hundred is going for specific needs to take care of the needs of. Um, uh, of individuals and family members including rent subsidies, um, food subsidies, um, business subsidies um, um, grass um,
2: child food care
1: programs and you know there are a lot of things. Um, so I think um, there's some confusion okay you know the counties will take care of that why don't the state take care of that well that's kind of that that's kind of been been, The unsaid agreement that, okay, we're going to be asking the counties to take care of those basic needs for the specific islands, and then the state takes care of, um, you know, the large issues like education, um, SNAP, um, unemployment, and, um, you know, how do we make sure that the IT system is compatible to process some of the claims.
0: You know, we have been monitoring uh, your meetings uh, that you've been holding Uh, We did uh, pull some audio from the floor uh, session last week. Uh, Senator Laura Thielen voted no on Senate Bill 75, which is a Senate budget bill. Uh, And on the Senate floor last Thursday, she said that economic experts and studies of the 2009 recession came to the same conclusion. Expenditures up front that can prevent businesses from going bankrupt. Expenditures up front and quickly that can prevent people from going bankrupt will save governments from increasing burdens and debts and taps into their supporting services and allows governments to recover faster and with less debt. And that's the sense of urgency that then the reason why I'm voting no. I support those programs that are going out from the neighbor island counties that we gave them. But if you put these numbers into household budget figures, we literally gave them tens and twenties where we're dealing with over $2,000. It's not going to be enough to meet the magnitude and it's not going to be at the speed because in the three weeks that we're taking, more people are going to sink into insolvency. And Senator Russell Rudiman also voted no on the Senate floor. Uh, he said the need is now and many more people will be using the government's social services.
3: We should not be afraid of borrowing as needed, as provided by our Constitution in a crisis and helping our people. We should be putting aside our power struggles, our desire to stash and control money, and we should be helping our people as much as possible. The desire for a balanced budget is admirable. The need for a balanced budget in a major economic crisis is misplaced. We need to be the government that helps the people. I know there are no easy answers and I acknowledge the very very hard work that's been done and everyone doing what they think is right but we the state of Hawaii can handle the debt we can handle long-term debt families without work cannot handle the current situation the risks of long-term debt are dwarfed by the risks of further devastating our local economy
0: so who wants to respond to, to those no votes on the floor? Well,
1: so I can do that because this is the first time I'm hearing them because, you know, it's not within the House chamber. Um, so, you know, I mean, uh, if, for instance, we had all the money in the world and we didn't have to um, um, ask our residents to carry some of the burdens that um, the two senators are talking about, then, you know, it's easy solution, right? But what we're dealing with right now is, um, I would say, 100 times uh, worse than what we dealt with in 2009. Um, and in 2009, uh, what had happened, if you look back, and I think um, Senator Thielen was part of the Lingo administration, um, part of, I don't really remember in 2009 that government um, substantially spent a lot on um, uh, the need, um specific needs of the community. But what I do remember is furlough Fridays where we shut down um, schools on Fridays. And one of those things that, um, and, you know, we uh, shut down, um, programs and, um, you know, and that led to, um, uh, Medicaid spiking that led to, um, you know, that actually led to worse devastation and the economy not opening up fast enough, um, to deal with some of the struggles in 2009, and I remember that uh, clearly because um, you know um, community leaders and parents came together and fought against that, and the legislature um, responded by uh, passing a law requiring num you know specific number of Um, instructional hours Um, that may or may not have been the right approach but you know I mean I think one you know if we um, irresponsibly not have a plan and um, start looking at okay these are the needs we got to just spend it spend it uh, without thinking about how you're gonna pay for it uh, which resulted in furlough Fridays in 2009 I don't think that is that serves the community the best way uh, I disagree that uh, we should borrow and borrow um, to our heart's desire to take care of everything, um, because uh, you know the amount that needs to be borrowed in the two billions—that's about uh, a quarter of our budget—and I don't think I can, um, I can justify borrowing, borrowing the extent that we need. Um, which is allowable by law which is two billion uh, plus borrowing everything that we can under UI um, and then um, not have a plan of how you're gonna pay for it because um, then guess what you know I mean um, right now uh, you know certain um, people might say okay that's the right thing to do but you know the future generation 10 20 years, um, for the next 10, 20 years, you know, they're going to have to pay either through raised taxes or raised fees. And I don't think that's the right approach. And so, um, uh, I know everyone is, um, you know, in a position where they want to do the best and they believe that they, um, are making the best suggestions, but the amount of, need out there. Um, at least currently, will be taken care of through the various counties. The state needs to take care of what it, we need to take care of as far as, uh, you know, making sure that NetQuest is solvent, um, uh, UI, unemployment insurance is solvent. Um, and, there's and shared- a lot of things out there.
0: Chair De La Cruz, uh, you know, I know uh, Senator Rudiman uh, alluded to power struggles, and, you know, we've seen uh, in the committee meetings, uh, you know, some real attention uh, between lawmakers and some of the, uh, you know, a- administration's key people, you know, the chief of staff, Linda uh, uh DBED, the business uh, department, uh, Mike McCartney. Uh, can you talk about that? Because I think you know, listeners out there, you know, just want to see some results, and, and, and they don't want to see all this bickering.
2: Yeah. Um, well, first let me say that those two senators are not factually correct. So, and I'll just quickly go over some some numbers here. The, the state has almost $2 million already with the uh, Emergency Food Assistance Program. That's with our state. State Office of Community Services for the County of Hawaii, with with the monies we talked about previously, there's over 28 million dollars for community assistance, 22.3 million dollars for grants and support for small businesses, agriculture, and other uh, businesses. There's nine million nine and a half million dollars for uh, property acquisition, housing, and construction to help with those who need shelter during quarantine, some contact tracing. And housing needs for Maui there's 26 million for grants for households uh, small businesses child care and there's 4.5 million for the recovery planning uh, for City and County of Honolulu there's 166 million for grants for households and small businesses and child care 25 million dollars for household hardship relief fund program and there's also a small business relief recovery program that the City and County of Honolulu has that covers up to $10,000 of expenses. And for the county of Kauai, there's uh, $1.5 million for food distribution, $2.2 2 million for mental health and domestic violence prevention, and $3 million for small business loans and other support, uh, as well as 330000 for nonprofit food uh, support. And there's $3.5 that they put in for agriculture infrastructure support and some monies to help the commercial fishing Assistance. The state also has the SNAP program, which is what Chair Luke uh, alluded to or had mentioned. That we're we're actually putting in two million dollars into SNAP so that they can expand their their IT program, so we can get we can help more people and process more applications. There's been eighteen thousand more people on SNAP uh, compared to last last year the, during the same time period. So we are getting monies out there, and people are. People are going to be able to access all these the different programs through the different counties and several of the state agencies that that I mentioned. In regards to the power struggles, you know, I'm not quite sure what what he means by that. I think a lot of people are just frustrated uh, because it, it is a tense situation. This is something that's new. Uh, the, the The Ways and Means Committee, uh, which actually handles these bills, I don't think we had um, we didn't really. T- we, we only took written testimony, and there weren't really um, any debates during during the, the hearings for these specific bills. Right,
0: but there has been some strife, you know, with some key people in the governor's uh, cabinet. You know, there is some concern about, you know, with the money going into the rainy day fund, that the, uh, the governor won't have as much influence over that money. Uh, what do you say to that?
2: No, I mean, like, like Chair Luke had mentioned, we're working with the administration and the counties. You know, if if he if he thought that this was um, something that the governor was opposed to, then the governor would have vetoed it.
0: Okay. Well, you are uh, if you're just joining us uh, here on the conversation, we're talking about the state budget that was passed by the legislature uh, in a very abbreviated legislative session due to the COVID. Uh, health crisis. Uh, you can join our discussion by calling one 941 3689 Stay with us, we'll be right back after a short break.
1: Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Hawaii Community Foundation, a philanthropic organization working to address the impact of COVID-19. Learn more about the Hawaii Resilience Fund at hawaiicommunityfoundation.org.
2: Tune in to HPR One on Saturday night as we debut Blue Note virtually live, performances from the Blue Note Hawaii stage. We kick it off with Henry Capono and his band, celebrating the timeless classic songs of the legendary duo Cecilio and Capono. We'll hear beloved songs from Henry's career, which have become anthems for the people of Hawaii. That's this Saturday at 6 p.m. Tune in to HPR One or listen on your smart speaker.
1: Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from American Savings Bank, committed to the community and its well-being, dedicated to standing with Hawaii's families. ASBHawaii.com, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
0: You are back with the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. This is Katherine Cruz. You know, Senator uh, Sylvia Luke, I mean, sorry, Representative Sylvia Luke, uh, I don't know if you want to. You promoted wanna, me. Yes. <laughs> if you uh, uh, want to address some of the, the friction uh, that uh, we've seen uh, of late with the governor's uh, cabinet and some of the lawmakers.
1: Oh, um Uh, You know, uh, just to address that, I just feel that um, we have never seen such cooperation between the governor's office and um, the legislature. I um, uh, meet with the governor on a regular basis, um, on a weekly basis, and we have a significant amount of coordination, and, um, you know, um, and um, several members of the legislature. Uh, do many, um, um, you know, surprisingly administrative functions for the governor um, because, you know, what we have told him is this is a time for all hands on deck and we have to um, take our legislative hat off and we have to, you know, just be available. And, you know, I mean, um, um, and Senator Delacruz Cruz agrees with me as well that, you know, if they can use us as... um, as uh, uh, a way to help communicate things with the department, you know, work things in a more uh, cohesive and collaborative way. And, you know, if we can help out um, communicating with the mayors, we are uh, doing that. So, um, you know, this is a time where things are a lot more challenging, a lot more stressful, and this is where we have to just figure out a way to work together.
2: Yeah, you know, Catherine. One thing I do want to point out is that because of the kind of cooperation and because everyone is is really working hard to to make sure that we can build consensus quickly, we were able to avoid conference. So all of the bills that we passed, um, none of those bills went to conference because of the because of the because of the amount of commu- communication that's occurring between the House, the Senate, and and the governor's office. The yeah, other, and also what what Chair Luke. Um, she, she and the speaker have worked really hard in regards to making sure that UI can get can get up and running. Uh, the COVID committee, I think, has done um, as much as they can to really help with the screening and verification process at the airport and to help with the quarantine. So as she mentioned, it's all, it's all hands on deck. It's, it's just unfortunate that some people, um, you know, they, they may want to throw stones, but they're not – you know, we welcome their help, and we wish that we would see them more, and, and so that we can try to accomplish more. Um, but there's, there's more to be done, so I, I do hope that they participate.
0: And sherlock Luke, you yourself have gone down there uh, to mm-hmm. volunteer to help with the unemployment claims. How's that going? Um,
1: we just wanted to just thank um, all the um, volunteers at the unemployment office and the um, the. The employees at the uh, unemployment office. I mean, if we I can think of essential workers they're, they are they are the real essential workers. So About um, three, four weeks ago we um, asked the governor if we can just take the lead in setting up um, 200 workstations at the convention center. I know initially they were looking at around 20 and um, I told the governor that the mask doesn't work, um, you know, with THEY NEED A LOT MORE HELP um, THAN INITIALLY um, uh, SUSPECTED. SO WE WERE ABLE TO GET ABOUT 200 WORKSTATIONS um, PLUS 200 ADDITIONAL LINES. Um, SO SOME OF THE ISSUES THAT WE HAVE HEARD ABOUT A MONTH AGO WERE PEOPLE COULDN'T GET ON TO FILE THEIR WEEKLY VERIFICATION AND TO FILE A CLAIM OR TALK TO INDIVIDUALS. that has been reduced. We still continue to have issues. Um, so after this call, I am planning to go down just to um, uh, check because you know this is a situation where we can't just help set it up and go. Okay, you know, you guys are on your own. We have to just constantly figure out. Okay, where are some of the um, backlogs we need to troubleshoot and how we can help. Um, but you know, I mean, um, there's so many people at the unemployment office that I just want to thank. I mean, you know, there's. Babs and um, Stacy and um, um, and then Annie and um, uh, Laurie, I mean, they really. Some of these folks um, are on loan from different departments, and they're just there from 6:30 in the morning, and they leave at eight. And they come on Saturday. They were there yesterday. Uh, I've been going down. Um, you know, a few senators. Uh, are going down. You know, some of the uh, representatives, including um, Lisa Kitagawa, Aaron Johansson, Stacey Lin-Eli, um, Niri Nakamura, from uh, various islands um, have been coming down. Mark Makashima, a bunch of them are going down, just manually processing and answering calls. So I just feel very, um, you know, thankful these people are willing to come to a large gathering, you know, when social distancing is required and, you know, we're not supposed to have, we're supposed to restrict ourselves. Um, but you know, these people are coming to the convention center on a daily basis, um, fielding some of these calls and um, processing, manual processing. Um, we should. be thankful.
0: Yes, we should most definitely uh, uh, thank the public servants that are out there you know, many underpaid and overworked, and the caseload is just, you know, astronomical at this time. So exactly. uh, absolutely should give uh, those government employees uh, some credit.
1: And between HGA, so HGA did a lot in um, organizing their members to volunteer. So between HGA, HSDA, there are a number of teachers. In addition to their um, online distance learning um um, issues they come and they volunteer and then they go home great papers what they need to do I mean a bunch of teachers are there um, people with UPA are there so those three unions have really stepped up and gave us a lot of uh, workers volunteer workers so in total we had about 600 volunteers who got trained up
0: we do have a call coming in Barry from new you have a question or comment
1: yes yeah, thank you Catherine for taking my call Uh, I'd like to know, there are three or four large projects that are still pending. It's all private money.
3: This would be the cold water to refrigerate and give power to downtown larger buildings. This would be the Costco
1: $160 million investment in agriculture. And finally, TMT. Why are these projects not being fast-tracked? And this would take to the economy somewhere between one5 to $2 billion in non-federal,
2: non-state money.
0: Yes, we should uh, point out that uh, we are fast-tracking a number of government projects that are shovel-ready, and some that aren't, uh, just to make sure that we've got that part of our economy shored up. Uh, so, I don't know, uh, Chair De La Cruz, do you want to take this?
2: Yeah. so in regards to the Costco project, I mean, that's in my district. We've been working a lot with Costco. Uh, Costco has actually... Been in communication with our schools so we can even start to do workforce development training so that they can employ people from the local community Uh, they're still doing their due 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 diligence Uh, they're working with the adc and the governor's office and department of act to get that going Uh, the legislature has continued to fund spurbs for the honolulu seawater air conditioning Uh, so a lot of those things really you know, the government can help, but we need private sector to, um, to also let us know what we can do to, to expedite some of these projects. It has to be a partnership. It just can't be government funding everything because we, we don't have um, unlimited amount of funds. And as you can tell from earlier conversations, there's lots of competition for those funds. So it's really going to have to be about partnerships. Yeah,
0: you've been a big advocate of public-private partnerships, and it seems to me that we need those now more than ever.
2: Oh, definitely. Um, And so that's as we talk within the next three weeks about recovery efforts and what kind of statutes we may have to consider, um, maybe for prisons, maybe for 21st century schools. uh, You know, we we have to be really open so that we can uh, leverage our funding and better and get maximum benefit.
0: On the 21st century schools, there was that project on the books that DOE had with the uh, 690 Uh, Pu'ukhaina. Uh, and uh, from what I understand, that was not funded. What's the reason for that?
2: Uh, well, one of the things that the legislature was considering this year was a a construction division uh, agency that would work with Department of Education. Part of the problem is that you know some of our agencies are not used to working with the private sector the way that in this new norm in regards to public-private partnerships. The bill is still is still alive, and that's something that um, we're still looking at at considering. And that way, we can get school construction up a lot faster. We can look at underutilized properties that the Department of Education has, and hopefully do more public-private partnerships there. So it's really going to take it out of the Department of uh, Department of Education, so they can focus on education, and more things like public-private partnership and school construction. Uh, we can leave it to. To a different agency that that would be that their focus.
0: And it's my understanding that uh DOE is ramping up on the repair and maintenance backlog. That uh, you know they they've got I think a, a list of contractors uh, who uh, I think are already in the pool who they can uh, you know where they can push out those repair projects to because we just need to get going since the kids aren't in school and there's an opportunity there to to tackle those.
2: Yeah, so the administration, I think the governor's in, in in contact with all the different departments to look at projects that we can get up at. So you see road construction, you see some construction at schools. All of those things will help spur the econ, the economy. The more construction we have out there, that's going to infuse a lot more money into our communities. And
0: Catherine, y- yes. if
1: I could just um, add that. Um, you know, and as much as there's focus on uh, fast-tracking, uh, fast-tracking is, you know, just because we're in a pandemic um, doesn't mean we um, fast-track for the sake of fast-tracking. We still need to follow, uh, you know, um, the EIS laws. We need to follow procurement. And there's things that are shovel-ready um, that may not be, um, that means, you know, we don't need to fast-track. So, you know, we still need to... Um, be mindful that we have um, environmental laws and procurement and um, construction laws that we have to abide by, and we just want to um, just be cautious on that front. And there are plenty of projects out there that we can get um, done uh, without the um, without ignoring some of the uh, the environmental laws.
0: Okay, and then uh, Senator Delacruz, I have to ask you because you took a lot of flack for the uh, for trying to fast track some of these private. Public partnerships with PDLC way back. Yeah, but, when. but
2: fast tracking didn't mean that they would forego um, that kind of environmental review. You know, the the prop, the challenge is a lot of our agencies don't have the capabilities or the or the staff to know how to work with business. You know, um, or create these public private partnerships.
0: I do have to ask you because I think one project that you are supporting, and I think that is in the construction budget, uh, has to do with the judiciary complex up in your area. Yeah. Well, what's the justification for that?
2: Well, I don't know if you've been to well, Wawa lately, I can, but. If oh. I can answer that. Um, <laughs> Go
1: ahead. So, Wawa uh, uh, Courthouse was something that was considered, uh, even, um, you know, the judiciary considered that about, um, I would say, Uh, eight years ago and that was part of the budget um, eight years ago and um, but then since then um, other immediate needs came up right so the the thing was Kona courthouse needed um, a lot of funding Um, so Kona courthouse which uh, cost about I think eighty million dollars was relocating three courthouses into one and then you know we had to think about um, other courthouses so if the judiciary also had all the funding that it uh, would have liked, and you know they certainly would include you know the Maui renovation, um, even the family court in Honolulu and Waialua. You know it's all part of it. Um, so, but you know Wayowa was on track about eight years ago, and then we never were able to revisit. Only because there were more pressing needs but you know now that Kona courthouse is done you know it's an opportunity for us to go and revisit some of the ones that uh, we left behind
2: okay
0: and if I could because I would like to talk about the neighbor islands
2: Uh, real quick real quick one of the things I did want to mention is that the fact that if you go to where the courthouse and or the the new uh, complex is going to be several buildings unfortunately got got um, They burned down recently and so some of those offices they're they're homeless and so that that it's part of a an effort to to not just house the the judiciary and and help with with the Wahiwa courthouse but it's some of the other state agencies that that were there that especially for human services they they don't have a home now because of because of the the fire
0: okay so the need is the need is there and and larger All right. Well, if we could uh, switch gears and head to the neighbor islands, I know Representative Nadine Nakamura of Kauai's North Shore voted yes on the Senate budget bill because of the support for the neighbor islands. Here's what she had to say on the House floor during the bill's third reading. SB 75 includes funding for the neighbor island counties that did not receive a direct care grant funding as Honolulu did. So this is critical for the neighbor islands, and I know for Kauai, the Kauai team is looking at using these funds for response, recovery, and resiliency. And knowing that funds have to be spent by the end of the year, they're going to be looking strategically at addressing the needs of the community. So these funds are very much needed. So what else can we say about what we're doing to help the neighbor island communities? I I think I saw something recently that said uh, as far as the impact with tourism that Maui County uh, is is hurting very badly. Right. Um, So, you know, uh, when you
1: look at the CARES funding, um, the amount that is going to the neighbor islands is substantial. So, for instance, Kauai, um, the amount that will be going to Kauai will be about $28 million, which is equivalent to about 20% of their general revenues. Um, for Maui, it's about um, $66 million, which is about 14% of their general revenues. Um, I think this will go a long way in uh, shoring up some of the... Um, revenue loss from the TAT, because, you know, when you look at TAT, the, the, the uh, counties that get their portion before um, the state does, the state gets the balance. So if any, um, uh, any entity benefits before the state, it's, you know, HTA, the counties, and then the state. Um, but, you know, this is really a time for us to uh, work together, and, you know, I mean, this is... Um, if the neighbor islands, uh, you know, their um, their they will probably see impact about two years from now, as opposed to the state. The state will see impact right away um, because you know, you know, they're relying on property tax, and we believe property tax sales will probably suffer in the next. Um, year or so um so they'll probably see some impact but you know as as in the past you know this is uh really dependent on the uh, the various governments to work together and step up and figure out the, the very needs of its citizens and its people
0: you know we did have another caller on the line a shy caller uh, uh who wanted to leave this comment it says here uh, uh Tourists with less resident residents he- with with fewer tourists here and residents uh, are enjoying this. It's time to eliminate the Department of Business and Economic Development and uh, and Tourism Department and as well as eliminating the Hawaii Tourism Authority because it markets itself. And uh, this person says, well, we should re- redirect those funds. So, well, what do you say to that?
2: Well, you need a healthy economy so that we can create revenues to pay for services, both for for uh, securing basic needs, making sure that we have money for education, making sure that we have money for um, enforcement. You know, there, there's, we, we have to come up with an economic development and plan so that we can properly fund uh, the, the services to ensure that each resident has a good quality of life.
1: Yeah, And, you know, um, she brings up a really good point. Um, this is really an opportunity for us to re-envision tourism and what what does tourism mean for Hawaii? I think um, just in the last couple um, couple years, uh, many residents have been troubled by the the constant increase over the years of um, tourism numbers, and you know how do we how do we balance the number of increasing tourism to um, you know the impact on our Um, resources um, our uh, you know environment and all of our needs So this is really an opportunity for us to uh, revision and um, and think about okay what is the right um, tourism balance that the state could want and could need in the future so this is rare really timely
2: and and this is also a time where we can really focus on a lot of the things that we've also talked about, right? So in regards to ag and ag tech, energy, energy tech, uh, healthcare care jobs, cybersecurity, you know, making sure that we can support those kind of industries and expand those industries so that we don't have to be as reliant on tourism.
0: I know the governor has uh, uh, the navigator uh, looking at how we can... Uh, get to the other side, you know, post COVID-19, and what do we do since we have put all our eggs in our tourism basket? Uh, but uh, why didn't the lawmakers uh, fund the 10 million that the governor asked for to 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 go to run with those ideas?
1: You know, that seems to need uh, some vetting, and you know, I mean, um, I think Allen uh, is doing a good job, and he will continue to do a good job. Uh, there just needed, uh, we just need to have. Uh, additional discussion about okay, what um, uh, how will the governor's office support Allen and his efforts to re uh, envision and um, you know re energize uh, Hawaii's economy for the future? And I think it was the approach as opposed to what he will do. So you know, I I do think that um, you know it, um, there will be further discussions about. Uh, what his role will be and what um, he will do in helping some of the discussions to
0: happen. So you folks will come back and reassess on June 15th, uh, and you know maybe then those issues will be worked out?
2: Well, we're actually um, still working on them now. We, we reconvene on, on June 15th, but these next three weeks, uh, there's lots of conversations and, and uh, lots of different things that we're working on to build consensus.
1: Hey, Catherine. Yes. Just, you know, we're kind of uh, running out of time. Can I just make a public service announcement?
0: Sure. What? What is that?
1: You know, I just feel out of everybody out there, I just feel so bad for the uh, graduating seniors. Um, they work 13 years, and this is um, you know, a milestone for every single one of them. And this was the year where, uh, you know, they were going to have their senior prom and, you know. For some of the school baccalaureate services, Um, this was a time that, um, you know, they were going to spend their last days of um, education with some of their really close friends that they grew up with. And I just feel so badly for every single one of them. So if any of you know any seniors out there, just you, um, it really should be on each and every one of us to go and if they have drive-bys or if you can send a card or if you can send a text because, I, you know, for uh, for a lot of them um, they're home um, practicing social distance and um, you know they're um, you know trying their best but I know a lot of them are very disappointed and um, very that because this is something that they'll never get back so I feel really really badly for them so I want to just congratulate every single one of the seniors we're very proud of you and you know out of all the um, uh, generations before and generations after you guys have survived this, and
0: that means
1: you can survive anything. Exactly. So congratulations <laughs> to the senior class. Yes, and,
0: and I can relate because uh, my high school graduation was blown away literally by a super typhoon. So oh, I certainly no. I, I, I feel for them. Uh, we just have a, a, a minute or two left. Uh, Senator Dela Cruz, any final thoughts?
2: Well, you know, we definitely miss you around here at the
0: Capitol. <laughs> I miss you too. <laughs>
2: Uh, but, but yeah. I just I want to thank I want I do want to thank the public um, and a lot of legislators have learned new ways of communicating. you see lots of Facebook lives and Instagram and a lot more social media interaction. I, I think it's it there's there's a lot of benefit from uh, some of the new changes that we're having to to make and I think we're going to continue to make changes so that we can better serve the public and we, you know, we look forward to to continuing a lot of those discussions in the next coming weeks.
0: And so, you folks are still hard at work uh, trying to get consensus on some of these big, big issues. Uh, anything else that you want to uh, throw out there, maybe about the
2: airports? Well, you know, we're continuing to work with the airports. Uh, they have new new forms so that when people come in, we they they we can get the information we need, not just for, for the current quarantine, but as Chair Luke had mentioned, contact tracing is gonna be a major priority as we move forward. Um, in addition to that, you know, the committee met with uh, the Attorney General and DOT, and we're also gonna be looking at a form for hosts. So those who are, who are um, saying that they're staying with family and friends, that they would have to fill up, the host would also have to verify that they're staying with them and would need to follow the quarantine. Uh, enforcement. We're working with all the different law enforcement agencies, and you can see from from the media, we're getting a lot more cooperation and a lot. We're working together a lot closely because we are able to crack down on on, on a lot of people out there.
0: Yes, we do want to get the economy going again, but we do want to do it safely. We would like to thank uh, the both of you, House uh, Finance Chair Sylvia Luke and Senate Ways and Means Chair Donovan Dela Cruz. And we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. What did you think about today's discussion? Want to weigh in? Contact the Talk Back line. Leave your comments. That number, 808-792-8217. You can also send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the conversation podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.